BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to, I guess, kind of ignite the dynamite, but more so um, deal with the aftermath of the dynamite. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Day After Dynamite. I'm Will Washington, and I'm joined by a special guest today here on Day After Dynamite. You know her. She's um, YouTuber extraordinaire. You've probably seen her across your social media, probably front row at some AEW events, including the one last night. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is Miss Xenia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to discuss the amazing show that we had this <laughs> Yeah, you were, uh, it was the return to Daly's Place after uh, only eight weeks uh, uh, because <laughs> <laughs> they were just there uh, just not that long ago. Uh, grand but of course, after eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grand return after eight weeks. Um, did they announce a return last night, by the way? Because I feel like every time they come back, they always like they announce the next do, one. But I don't think they did yesterday. No. Hmm. Interesting. That there's not one on the horizon. Does that possibly mean that they're going to be away as in not in the U.S.? I mean, well, I would like to see (laughs) them uh, maybe go a little. Like, I love Daly's Place. I think Daly's Place as a venue, I've been there twice now. I know you've been there way more than I have. But um, I've been there twice. And I will say as a venue, I actually really like it. I actually... uh, I feel like its atmosphere is really unique to pro wrestling. It's a very unique look. When you see it, you know I'm watching an event at Daly's Place versus anything else. We're like, you know, sometimes you'll have to squint and go, oh, I think I know this venue. But, like, when you see Daly's Place, you know Daly's Place. And so I like that in that regard. I like that it's a unique venue. Uh, On the other side of that, though, I do think we've seen it quite a bit. Like, in this case, it wasn't. For the pandemic specifically. (laughs) Right. You know, well, in this case, it didn't feel like, um, hey, we're back at day or we're back at Daly's place. Long time no see. It was were we just here? Um, and- I feel like they do switch it up quite a lot. They move the hard cam quite a lot, and they actually change the ramp side setup a little bit. So I, I as a as someone who is there in real life, I do feel like it gets switched up quite a bit, and it doesn't become an eyesore, but. I don't know. Maybe maybe people are a little bit bored of it at this point. Well, I do like that Tony Khan seems to see the hard cam the same way I do, which was, uh, you know, back in the summer, they switched the hard cam to face that, that section under the Tron for a yeah. little while. And I don't know. I wasn't a fan of that because I feel like I want to see more of Daly's Place in the hard shot. Yeah. And so I actually like the hard cam that's facing kind of that Daly's Place wall with like the kind of up ramp of fans. Um I don't know. I, I and it felt like they went back to that when they came back in December, uh, and then of course they were here uh, or at Daly's place last night, and then 
uh, we saw that change as well. Um, but yeah, this this was the go home dynamite to revolution and being the go home dynamite to revolution that meant that there was a lot of things happening um because we're, we're in hard sell mode and I've, been, I've been saying that the last couple of weeks on this show that we've uh aew has been in hard sell mode really for like three straight weeks of just like okay we've got to sell this pay-per-view and every segment on the show is designed to get you to want to see revolution and i feel like this show did yeah. that and interestingly enough there was barely anything announced before it right they only right. the matches and then it turned out to be this freaking amazing show and i'm probably gonna say the words amazing show quite sometimes <laughs> throughout this uh, stream because i i did really think that it was possibly one of the best episodes of dynamite in like recent memory um, you know, it's hard for me because I feel like just like two weeks ago, we had like a really good one. And uh, I, it does feel like this uh, this stretch going into Revolution has been really good, really memorable. I think the CM Punk stuff and MJF has just been off the charts great. Uh, and there's a lot we're about to discuss there. Um, the big news, though, all the hype all day long huge was, announcement. <laughs> was the huge announcement what was it going to be aew had a big announcement to make but specifically tony khan had a big announcement to make and then it was uh revealed earlier in the day by tony khan on busted open that he would be making the announcement himself which you knew okay tony khan's gonna appear on tv this has to be something completely different than anything else we've seen he's not doing it through tony Giovanni. he, he he's making this announcement himself what could it be and um, I will say, and I'm not going to explain how now, but <laughs> because uh, it's it's a really funny story, but it's not a story that's tellable at the moment. But I will say <laughs> that I did know what the announcement was um, and how that came to be is really funny. Uh, but I tried to just kind of stay away from that all day on social media of like, okay, don't post about any speculation. Don't like try to hint at anything. Just stay away from it. Um, and... Also, again, like having, having been at the arena, I, I didn't see the announcement, the, well, the announcement of the announcement, the announcement that Tony is going to be on TV himself. I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. um, so we usually get the Tony Khan prep talk before the show, right? Right. <laughs> and we didn't get one. So at the arena, we're like, oh, so does it mean he's going to do the announcement, the huge announcement himself on TV? And that also, you know, added to the build. And that also made it feel super special of anticipation. <laughs> oh, so he's going to do it himself. Yeah, I... I, I... I mean, and the funny thing is, Tony Khan has said forever he wasn't going to be a character on AEW television, and he still wasn't. Um, no, like, because right. there are people who are like trying to dunk on that, like quote tweet yeah. the old things, and they're like, "Ha, huh, Tony Khan broke his promises." It's like he, you know what this was. Um, but the big announcement was that um, All Elite Wrestling is uh, not All Elite Wrestling, and they, they were very distinct and very specific Tony about Khan. the wording. <laughs> Tony Khan has purchased ring of honor he is officially signed uh and he has purchased uh roh and what is really interesting about this is uh what does this mean um because nobody really knows what it does mean at all uh i have ideas uh, i have ideas that i'd like to see happen um but for the most part what are we dealing with here? All of a sudden, AEW 
and Ring of Honor are sister companies for the moment. Uh, of course, this past uh, fall, we saw Ring of Honor basically yeah. dissolve all of the contracts. So nobody is under contract to Ring of Honor at the moment. Um, but a lot comes with buying Ring of Honor, right? We have the video library, the most, the important, video library. The most yeah, the, important thing that concerns no. everyone is right. the video library. <laughs> and that's 20 years of content in there. We have, uh, and Ring of Honor is, of course, a lot of people's origin story. Um, when you're dealing with, especially at the top of AEW, when you're dealing with the CM Punk, you can't talk about CM Punk's uh, career without mentioning his Ring of Honor run. Mm-hmm. Brian Danielson, uh, you have um, Christopher, Christopher Daniels, <laughs> Christopher Daniels, who who worked the show, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the AEW World Champion, Hangman Adam Page, his opponent this Sunday, uh, Adam Cole, Red Dragon, the Young Bucks. Uh, there's really not – you talk about AEW in its existence, and there's a whole lot of it that is tied to Ring of Honor. And so, you know, you even talk about how AEW was birthed out of All In. All In was a show that um, was a joint production of uh, many things, but it was produced by Ring of Honor. And for a long time, All In has kind of, like, existed in this weird tandem – or it, I guess – not tandem. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know why I said tandem. It's probably because it was what I was talking about before. But it's kind of existed in this weird limbo is what I meant to say, um, where the name All In was owned by the Young Bucks, who sold it to Tony Khan back at the end of 2020. and uh, But the footage was all owned by Ring of Honor. So really nobody had the ability to just like release All In. Uh, and it's And the show was so important to what professional wrestling is today when it comes to rh i feel like throughout the entire like history of wrestling ever since it was established has been regarded as like the cradle of professional wrestling the cradle of superstars who reach the top in wwe and aw and i've only been following like indie wrestling closely for under 10 years maybe like six years Mm -hmm. and even when i wasn't even when i was like only watching wwe when i was an early teen even then i was aware of ROH and even then it was like oh Steve Punk came from ROH oh Chris Hero came from ROH Cash Persona Chris Hero and it was even when I didn't watch it it was always something that I knew gave us all the amazing talent that we can see on TV every single week right now right so it's a big deal for everyone yeah it, and it is a big deal and then um there's also something gained from this and by the way I want to let everybody know and I can't believe I didn't plug this to begin with um but you're here on Fightful Overbooked Fightful, um, and you know how it all works. Uh, but if you don't, um, we've got a little chat here. If you want your messages read, send us your super chats. Uh, also, humperchats.com is also a great way to get um, if you want to help support what we do here at Fightful and Fightful Overbooked. Um, again, humperchats.com. Uh, if you want your messages on the screen, uh, those come through super chats. Uh, super chats are. Uh, through YouTube. So again, youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. And uh, that's the way to send those our way. Um, But yeah, so talking about um, Ring of Honor and those origin stories and how uh, so much of the industry is tied to Ring of Honor. In that sense, there is something gained by Tony here, right? Because all of a sudden now, you can continue that pipeline uh, in the way that you can tell the story that Hey, you have Brian Danielson because of Ring of Honor. You have Hangman Adam Page because of Ring of Honor. The current world champion came because of Ring of Honor. And now 
Ring of Honor has a direct pipeline to AEW. So we can now continue the idea of Ring of Honor operating as a developmental brand for um, like an official capacity for AEW, where they can start, um, you know, signing indie talent, signing, uh, it, not even necessarily signing, just bringing in, contra- uh, having dates <clears throat> yeah. for indie talent. Because it's, it's, inter- it's, it's interesting, because I saw like the day before that, the announcement that uh, Ninja Mac is going to be at an RH show in Texas. And mm-hmm. I was like, does that mean that technically he finally is going to work a match for Tony Khan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and then, of course, yeah, there's also, uh, you know, Jonathan Gresham has been backstage at um, a lot of recent AEW events. Um, and by I say a lot, but uh, the answer is really two. Uh, That's a but, lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's I guess relatively. If, if, someone who is not signed. Mm-hmm. To be yes. <laughs> so um, there's that as well. Um, and he's, of course, the uh, original ROH champion at the moment. Uh, so there's a lot that can go down this way. But thinking about it from a developmental standpoint, because a lot of people have kind of asked the question, if Ring of Honor is the developmental what does that mean for dark and elevation? And I'm like, you kind of have to look at those differently. Um, And I had said uh, to somebody earlier, I was like, kind of look at it through a 2002 lens. If you're looking at it through a 2002 lens, um, I kind of compare it to like WWE having velocity and heat. And that's how I look at dark and elevation. Mm -hmm. But then they also had OVW, which operated entirely independently, but it was a developmental system for WWE, and that's how they ended up getting John Cena and Randy Orton and Batista and uh, Brock Lesnar and and that whole class of wrestlers. And so I think that's how ROH can kind of work, where it works independently. It has its own championships, has its own storylines. Everything works independently. On occasion, you send down an AEW guy. Um, and then on occasion, bring a Ring of Honor guy to Elevation to have them work a crowd like a in an arena to have them yeah. feel out how it goes. And then I feel like at that point, you can very much have uh, the, the you have a much more cohesive system uh, in a way that AEW really hasn't had. They've had the Nightmare Factory kind of working. Obviously, it's an it's it's independent in itself. Um, but they've had that kind of feeding wrestlers into it. But to have Ring of Honor, which has more of a uh, a presence across, especially in the Northeast. Brand of history of yeah. everything. And honestly, I don't really see Dark and Elevation as developmental. I really wouldn't put it in that yeah, I, 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 And I, I see it more like uh, when WWE had, or still has, I'm not sure, uh, like superstars and like main events, <laughs> like see, Saturday morning Sam. But <laughs> it's just a more open-minded way to approach it because ultimately the purpose of Dark and Elevation is to feed into the records, feed into the win-loss records, and it does its job perfectly. And honestly, I've been, to, I think I've been to more tapings than I've watched it on the internet. <laughs> and I love those. They're so much fun. And it's also a cool way to connect with fans, with fans more. And I really do feel like it's just a more, again, open-minded way to approach it, where it doesn't necessarily have to be within the confines of the company, and it doesn't necessarily have to damage someone else's records to add to someone's record. And it doesn't necessarily have to create this weird power dynamic within the company, because, say, Cesar Bononi, who I think is great. I, I, I really admire this performer. And um, he was squashed by Wardlow and Dynamite. And... If you were to look at Dynamite in a vacuum, 
it would pretty much look like oh yeah he's a jobber or whatever you like to call those people like oh he doesn't get any wins on dynamite he's this he's that but we know that on dark and on elevation he's had some longer matches he had some wins and it's not just someone that you bring in to get devoured by wardlow it's a wrestler with his own record with his own history with his own streaks with his own he, he's a part of a faction he's also part of a new tag team that they're trying to introduce and it just gives the product so much more depth while also featuring people who might appear once or might appear twice or might really get over with the fans like sky blue did for example yeah and might be more or like kylie king did for example which i'm still ba- i'm baffled she's not signed yet uh, Kylie King, I feel, is a freaking amazing performer who needs more and more and more eyes on her. So I really don't see it as developmental. I see it as one of those like utility shows, but with a better, more profound, more creative-minded approach, which honestly only tells me good things about AEW the way that they handle their <laughs> lost records, which, again, not to say track too much, but initially... I wasn't like on board with the win-loss records because they do complicate really? things a lot. And I I am more of a entertainment than sports-based type of person. <laughs> That's why I say I don't follow like New Japan way, way, way too closely. Like I do try to keep track, but I don't watch it consistently. Because um, I do feel like it almost creates like a, a trap in a way. <laughs> where i feel like wrestling being more of an art than a sport it does leave opportunity for the like ex machina type of things you know mm-hmm. someone was like well, so, this whole time and suddenly <laughs> so I, i'm kind of the other way around because i i think that um one of the things i've liked about the win-loss records more than anything else and one of the things i liked about the beginning or liked about them from the beginning was using it to kind of hold um essentially it kind of holds tony khan as a booker accountable because uh you know i'm not the type of person to like when somebody who hasn't necessarily been on much of a hot streak suddenly gets a title match can just come in and decide they get a world title match or or hasn't even title match i mean it's in a way that suddenly like finds like a new you know spurt or like finds a new yeah and, and, way, and but see i feel like the win loss records can also help that right because you can see in real time how somebody is going from say oh and five to all of a sudden you look up and now they're uh one and five two and five three and five four and five five and five and all of a sudden and again there's a sense of accountability to me to where um i know that uh for example i used to play extreme warfare revenge a lot my favorite game to play um i just loved and i'm pretty sure tony khan also spent a lot of his time playing it too and now he gets to play it in real life uh but um just the idea of getting to be a booker and um keeping track of who's doing what and 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 it was easy in just in playing a game about being a booker um it was easy to lose track of what you were even doing uh because shows would go by and all of a sudden you weren't using people and things like that and then they'd start complaining at you but one of the fun things you could do was just kind of mentally keep track of okay this person's won um this many matches and now i've kind of set them up to become world champion or i've set them up to even challenge the world champion and i like that the win-loss records to me just kind of put that out there in front of the fans says that hey this person is on track to doing it and 
Uh, I don't know. I, I am a big fan of him because I feel like it is a different approach uh, to pro wrestling that hasn't really been done in the past. Uh, and I don't know. I, I like it. I will say this. Now he's definitely growing on me. I'll say that. <laughs> Tony Khan last night. <laughs> I wouldn't do TV again, personally. Uh, <laughs> or at least uh, if, if I were Tony Khan. I, I maybe wouldn't put myself out there like that again, um, because one, it, it makes easy target for one, and but then two, um, I don't know. Tony Khan is definitely very excitable with crowds in ways that he isn't like just in a laid back interview type setting. I thought when he said he was going to make the announcement himself, I was thinking like pre tape video, yeah. you know, and typical like Tony Khan. Um, uh, what is it? The, the uh, the press scrums when he does the press scrums yeah. you know you know typically in that fashion where he's a little more controlled because yeah when he gets that microphone and he's got a crowd he gets very screechy and i feel like for a lot of people they're kind of seeing tony khan in that element for the first time if they hadn't like been to a show uh it, it was something you know what i, I would respectfully disagree with you <laughs> <laughs> okay because uh first of all i do feel like daily space show specifically there usually aren't many people who are there for the first time uh -huh. first of all. Uh, but also i do feel oh, like... i've been watching on tv by the way yeah but yeah true but also i do feel like tony khan's like personality is mm -hmm. part of the appeal of AEW on the whole <laughs> because one thing that they keep hearing and one thing that i know i've, I've said and that people keep saying is that oh he just loves it mm -hmm. and that's what draws people to aw so much because like oh my god for once we have the a fan running things yeah yeah we have the main booker the boss man who yes is business-minded and yes knows what the hell he's doing but also just genuinely loves wrestling and acts in the interest of wrestling because honestly, like I, I can't say that about everyone. <laughs> I can't say that about all people who have encountered in this industry. But it takes a lot to put. And I keep saying art, but I do genuinely believe it. It takes a lot to put art above business. And I do feel like like sometimes it is the right decision. And as I said, like just the charisma, the character. Like you said, it's not a character. It's just what <laughs> it's just who is like. It's just him. It's just what he's like as a person. Oh yeah, no, and I and I, and, and I wasn't saying people on such like a different level. And all the selfies after the shows and the pep talks before the shows. He's just so involved, and people love him so much. And mm -hmm. you know, if he was this calm, collected, uh, <laughs> serious person, all of a sudden, it, it would, wouldn't be the same. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. I don't know. I, like I said, I, I, there's, I feel like there's like two different modes of Tony. There's there's Tony that's like, like I said, does the press scrums, does all of that, and, um, and you really like hear his geekery just kind of come out. And then there's Tony that's like out there for the fans. And again, I've been at many AEW shows. I've seen that Tony a million times. Um, but like I said, I feel like there's a TV audience that maybe hadn't seen that Tony yet and was kind of seeing it for the first time last night. Um, but either way, uh, one of the things that his announcement led into, and actually I want to read this uh, super chat, and it's from Van Twin Blade. It says, I think Gresham was at AEW last week to talk about not only the buyout, but to help run ROH as Tony's man. I disagree with that. And the reason is because... I talked to a lot of people. Very few knew what was going on 
very few um to the point of where like there there was a lot of speculation going on but really very few people actually knew uh what was going on to the point of where even people on the show that i had talked to where i was like okay this is what i think is happening and they were like wait really huh that'd be pretty cool if that was happening and and i was right um but uh it was like so it, it made it to so few circles and i get it that's i understand that that's probably why tony made the announcement himself because um there's been a lot of leaks in AEW lately and it's like yeah you, you, you and you know you tell a wrestler you kind of tell the world right and so like one person finds out they tell somebody they tell somebody next thing you know fightfulselect.com 4.99 and it's uh that story is available um and it's interesting that uh tony khan um made this himself because like i said there weren't a whole lot of people in the know about this uh what was really cool though was that they did use this to then introduce the first match and the first match uh happened to be the first main event to ever take place in ring of honor uh and it was brian danielson versus christopher daniels there was no winner that night but on this night uh we saw christopher daniels make his return to television uh, we hadn't seen him on dynamite since uh the match against the young bucks it was actually in daly's place um it's been a really it's long time full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it all came full circle uh, but yeah, it was the first time we've seen Christopher Daniels in a really, really long time. And uh, and to see him in there with Brian Danielson, a guy who he hasn't had the ability to, um, uh, how do I put this? He hasn't really, these two haven't really got to be around each other in a really long time for various reasons. Brian Danielson. What, been what year the, was the ROH match? I think I asked someone, was it 2004? 2002 2002 yeah 20 years 20 years uh oh this week 20 years uh and so it had been a really 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 long time um and uh yeah it was just like just to see these guys go out there and do it and do it so well um and hold on demon grin in the chat mentioned that you have an echo i know why that is hold on i know why that is Tell me if she has an echo now. Speak. Do I have an echo now? <laughs> I bet the answer is no, and I think I know why. So that's my, my fault. <laughs> my bad, folks. Uh, no, nah, I'm sitting here with headphones on, but I don't think you were coming through the headphones. You know, okay, I think you've been I, on my I, speakers. I got really like worried for a second because the thing is, um, when I was living back in Russia, I used to do like commentary for aw dark for like a website for like wrestling website mm -hmm. um and when it was just starting which it was like my I, I did more commentary after that i've done english commentary for awf russia i've done more stuff after that but that mm -hmm. was my first time starting that was where i started mm -hmm. and um when i was first starting i was just figuring my stuff out and apparently for the first three four episodes i had some mic issues um <laughs> <laughs> and, i mean it wasn't uh anything that like you know would scrap the episode but right. you could hear it at times it, it wasn't ideal and i have people still <laughs> to this day dunking on my commentary work because like oh, oh no she has to learn to use a microphone i have since i promise <laughs> <laughs> oh, that rules um I mean, hey it's it's hey yeah they're saying it's good now in the chat thank you 
uh, for pointing that out because I literally looked down, I saw the cord, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Um, like, why am I even wearing these if you are literally feeding out of the speakers? I didn't even realize that. Uh, so, my bad, folks. Um, so, Brian Daniels and Christopher Daniels. Again, Daniels, still so great. I just saw him in New Japan last week. Uh, and, I mean, I this guy. in the first wrestling full gear weekend. Uh, nice. Yeah, I mean, this guy is, uh, he's still going. He's still great. He's 51, and he's still. This level of athleticism at yeah. 51 is uh, yeah. insane. And him and Brian uh, went out there, and it was short. But it was what it needed to be, which was yeah. Brian basically, uh, again, selling his violence level for uh, Revolution coming up this Sunday. Another super, super full circle thing, which I obviously wasn't following our age in 2002 because I was four years old. But, <laughs> but from what they know, um, so how um, Brian said after the match that, oh, in our age, they would like start every match with a handshake and every match with a handshake. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, Christopher Daniels didn't do that. He was against that. He wouldn't shake hands in our right. age. Uh-huh. So that handshake of death after the match was also yeah. <laughs> very, very full circle and very cool. That's right. Brian grabbed the mic, though, and he, he noted uh, that... Um, in Ring of Honor, we would always begin every match with a handshake and end with a handshake. And he grabbed Christopher Daniels' hand and then said, "But this is an ROH. This, this is AEW. This is AEW." And then, and I'm going to kick some heads in. And he stomps Christopher Daniels' head, calls out Moxley. Moxley makes his way through the crowd and lets everybody know that he is ready for Brian Danielson. He sees um, what Danielson's all about, and uh, they start to have Brian. Moxley starts Moxley to lay out the challenge. Makes his way to the ring through the Moxley door. Yes. <laughs> no, that's the Moxley door. They explain the, like, the Moxley exactly door. Where he's gonna? Yeah, you just go straight to the Moxley. I door. know, right? I mean, <laughs> I have to say, like, for the amount of time they spent at Daly's place, it is, um, it, it's it's got to be nice to kind of be back and yeah. uh, and and revel in some things like. I, I almost look forward to whatever BT is going to do with the uh, the Dark Order because every time they're back at Daly's place and they get to be back in the um, the lounge area to to get to do the Dark Dark Order bits, it's always fun. Um, but yeah, Moxley uh, wanted to brawl with Brian. Brian acts like he's going to, and then ducks under the bottom rope. Boo! And uh, we are on the road. But before we get to Revolution, we have one stop before Revolution. And that is Rampage this Friday, where the next segment, it was announced that we are going to see a triple threat match. And Sting used the word triple threat, which I'm pretty sure like is WWE's thing. Uh, but Sting specifically said triple threat. <laughs> he said triple threat. Uh, it's going to be for the TNT title, Darby Allen challenging uh, along with Andrade El Idolo, Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. And another fun fact, after I think it was after the show went off air, right? After the show went off air, we were promised that everyone would be banned from ringside during that match. That there would be oh. zero interferences, that no one's gonna be allowed ringside. No sting and no, no sting. Uh, uh no Jose. Interesting. <laughs> that should be fun. Uh yeah, and, we and like a lot promised that Chris Jericho wouldn't be jumping over the counter <laughs> table and interfering in the match. <laughs> 
So a lot of people were kind of pointing out that, uh, hey, shouldn't this match be on Revolution? And I thought, no, I disagree. Uh, because one, uh, and I actually was planning on tweeting this later. So if you see the tweet, don't say, hey, you, didn't you say this on Day After Dynamite? <laughs> yes, I did. But anyway, look, guys. As a child, my absolute favorite wrestler growing up was Sting. I loved Sting. You give me Surfer Sting. He was, like, perfect for me as a kid. But then, like, as I started to turn, like, 9, 10, that's, of course, when Sting became the Crow. And I loved that Sting because it was, like... Right as I was aging out of being a little kid, all of a sudden, here's this much darker character for him. Sting was my favorite wrestler. And oddly enough, I never got to see Sting live ever, ever? until this AEW run. And so for me, I am getting to see my childhood favorite wrestler continue to do his thing and do it well and surprise me every single time. Sting, you know, I was at Double or Nothing last year. Killed it with Men of the Year. I was at Grand Slam. Killed it with FTR. Uh, and I'm going to be a revolution this Sunday. So any excuses I get to see Sting live, I will absolutely take it. Give me a bring on the six-man tag. But beyond that also, um, this is a live Rampage. You got to sell some tickets. Give them a title match. And yeah, you know, Because when Rampage is a standalone show, it's usually like people are people tend to skip it. People tend to not be too compelled mm -hmm. to come because like oh it's just you know one hour of television and like there's not much going on so for sure yeah sell sell those tickets mostly when it's a go home though i notice because when it is yeah. just a live rampage just like in the middle of a month um that's not tied to a pay-per-view or anything uh those tend to do pretty well like they had that one in st louis back in november they did one in washington dc just like january um the one that anna jay and um and jade cargill main evented uh but uh so either way sell some okay, tickets okay, and it's a big weekend like ultimately wrestling fans are human too mm -hmm. surprise surprise <laughs> like we're all in orlando for like pretty much a week at this point yeah. and people are just like ah, i'm gonna go to apcot you know <laughs> <laughs> and you're heading to orlando in just a little bit like as soon as we hang up i here, am here. currently in orlando <laughs> oh you are currently in orlando oh so you're just heading over to um as soon as uh, we wrap this up i'm heading to the dark tapings yeah <laughs> yeah so you head to the dark tapings fun i, I uh, i've been telling you i i don't skip dark tapings <laughs> <laughs> i love me a good dark taping <laughs> I, I was actually mad at this one because i wish it had been because i want i've wanted to attend a dark taping um and it hadn't been announced beforehand so i bought my plane tickets i get in friday uh and of course by the way everybody make sure that you hit the uh aew concert if you haven't bought your tickets yet awtix.com because um your boy is going to be uh on stage uh backing up righteous reg as he performs um the powerhouse hobbs theme uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, shout out Mikey Ruckus. Thank you for the invite. Because, um, yeah, it's going to be a dope time. And come see your boys from Grap City uh, this Saturday at the, I want to say it's the venue at UCF. It's pretty sure that's what it is. Um, but, yeah, come see us at the venue at UCF, uh, awtix.com. They're like 20 bucks. If you're in the area and you're going to be at Revolution, <laughs> come to the concert. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, but the anyway. tapings in uh, Orlando here at Universal, they get announced very last minute. Because they do sell out. Uh, I, I do, I'm doing the quotes because they're free. Mm -hmm. They sell out. Really they sell very quickly, time. yeah. 
so I feel like they're just trying to kind of level it mm-hmm. by throwing them at us out of the blue. Every well, time. I was thinking like, you know, maybe they do them on Monday or like, I wasn't sure when they were going to do them because they're not going to air, I don't think, till after Revolution. Yeah. And so, you know. I don't there's think there's like going to be much the ground for spoilers, really. Well, like, there's a few things, right? Because like, I don't know. Let's just say hypothetically. So they've advertised that the Young Bucks are going to be performing on this dark taping for the first time ever. Uh, they've uh, they made the joke that that's their first time back at Universal Studios wrestling since they were Generation Me. Um, but what if they win the tag titles? Then all of a sudden you kind of have a Leave little bit of... Leave them at home. A... <laughs> right. <them> at home. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's little things there where I figured they'd do it after or somewhere closer around. So I was like, I want to go to one, but my plane ticket's already purchased for Friday, so I don't get to go. Um, anyway, uh, Danielson... I like to address while I keep looking off camera because this is insane. So I'm in my hotel room in Orlando right now mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sitting in front of the window because the light is nice. And... I'm ground floor, um, and this has been a, a, a wild ride because I've seen like five different types of birds throughout this interview, <laughs> including a huge ass eagle, and including <laughs> a huge ass stork who walked like right by the window. Not to mention like a dozen of squirrels. So I am sorry if I appear distracted. <laughs> I swear I'm not. There's just a squirrel. It's, it's literally <laughs> a squirrel moment. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I give, um, I don't know, I, I'm right there with, uh, I hate to hand Brian Danielson because it's been attached to his career so long. I hate to hand this segment a B plus, but it is a B plus segment for me. I actually really liked it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. I, I like seeing Danielson and Daniels together again. And this was a hard sell. And then also I, I include the Ring of Honor announcement with it. Solid B plus. Yeah, I would say it's a, it's a B because it, had to happen and it uh, you know it complemented the announcement beautifully but again as someone who's uh, on the younger side of things i guess i don't get the same like nostalgia necessarily for our age so it didn't really like uh touch the strings of my soul the way it did for other people so, you know <laughs> like, i have to tell good, you, but, you know. having had jay shell on the show last week who was 17 and now you here who <laughs> 22 oh no 26 26 okay yeah (laughs) okay good um yeah so thing is everybody has managed to make me feel old on this show mainly because having been doing podcasts for nearly 18 years 17 we're rounding down 17 yeah just having been doing this for 17 years (laughs) i covered early ring of honor on podcasts and so like uh it's just kind of funny when people talk about it like it's ancient history and i'm like there's literally podcasts of no it's not ancient but they literally <laughs> four years old when that match aired right <laughs> match referenced by this so like i wouldn't be able to see it in any way i know but you know what we had another match come up so it was the uh, 15 team oh, casino yeah. tag royale oh. and the beauty of the casino tag royale uh as uh, a wise man once told me is that this match is pretty much the royal rumble um that the casino uh the singles royale has of course the card rules but the tag uh royale is pretty much 
15 teams. It's 30 men. They enter in uh, intervals. It is literally the Royal Rumble. But looking at this graphic, you couldn't help but notice there's only 14 teams here. And uh, that's when my... Uh, I guess excitement meter started going off because I immediately thought I tweeted it. I was like, Oh my God, it's Dante. There's Darius back. Please tell me Darius (laughs) is back. I want Darius back. Um, And we got it early on. They opened with FTR making their way in. uh, And then the top flight music hits. Dante Martin makes his way on the stage. Mild reaction. (laughs) Darius runs out behind him. Daly's place loses it. You see people behind him just stand up of like, oh my God, I was so happy for Darius to have gotten that reaction. Um, I don't know. Being in the building, what was that like? It was, yeah, it was just exactly like you described it. Because like mm-hmm. when, because Dante does get pops usually too. Yeah. And people love him. He connects with the crowds great. But he comes out and there's like a pause, you know. <laughs> and then it all comes together then it all makes sense and again not to get ahead of myself too much but like the way that they were showcased in the battle royal 2 was amazing was well deserved and was great and honestly they 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 really had the crowd behind them like for real throughout the entire thing yeah i i I thought so too i thought that the way people really wanted to see them win where i think fans maybe had a favorite going in but then once it was like oh top flights in this that's our favorite. Um, I've stuck with my favorites. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. You've, you've even interviewed them uh, a, a yes. number of. Yep. Uh, but either way, this was exciting. This was like, oh my god! Uh, the, all of a sudden, top flights in here. Um, I feel like every iteration of the Dark Order also got a good reaction. I feel like they are tied to Daly's place in such a um, emotional way that it really does feel like every time they do anything, the, that Jacksonville crowd is really there for the Dark Order. Um, and... I feel like with Dark Order, especially as someone who's been to a lot of Dark tapings, uh, mm-hmm. that's the Dark Order show. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> dark Order runs that show. Yeah. Uh, and not in a bad way, but I feel like the regulars have this reaction to Dark Order, like when you see like your neighbor walking out of the house at the same time as you are. Like, oh, hey, Jim. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to cheer for Jim. But I'm pretty damn happy to see Jim. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's like, a... oh, cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I was actually just, I, I was surprised by that reaction that they kept getting um, all throughout. But um, I actually did like this a lot more than the Battle Royale last week. I liked last week's Battle Royale, but I think that um, it's easier to keep track of when the teams are entering one by one more yeah, so than just like a big schmoz all at once because then you if you do pick a favorite you can keep track of them the whole match and stay with it and uh it made it just for a really exciting match um we we pretty much we saw every team make their way in uh <clears throat> we saw and, best friends face off with Santana and Ortiz again yes which was uh, I, 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 I they got a big watch. reaction too yeah, I kind of want them to like go at it again. Honestly, I kind of want them to like mm-hmm. circle back to that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, and yeah, I'm uh, just pulling up the graphic again, uh, trying to think. Besides Red Dragon, were there any teams that weren't in? Yeah, there are actually. Because uh, I was gonna say, um, 
of course, because they were in the main event. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alex <laughs> Reynolds and John Silver aren't weren't in this match. Uh, so there's two teams missing from last week's, and then obviously all the other teams added in. Uh, and oh, there was also the Max Caster cut a rap. Um, pretty typical stuff, but he dropped the Glenn Jacobs line, which got a good reaction out of people. Yeah. And it definitely got and on on social media too. It was definitely it went went a little viral for me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and honestly, like I'll be honest, it took some time for the claim to grow on me. Mm-hmm. And I've always been more partial to <clears throat> Anthony Bones more so than Max Caster, uh-huh. uh, and especially b- because of the whole like Julia thing and like you know everything. Right. And uh, but you know what? I feel like. It, and it rarely happens to me. Usually when, like, a wrestler does something that I even, like, mildly dislike, I usually just, I just don't, like, I just can't, I can't click with them anymore. But here it kind of happened. Here it kind of, like, built itself up again from the ground up. And <laughs> now I'm, like, fully on board with that claim. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that rules. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a piece of me because of the fact that um, I've known wrestlers a long time. I've known wrestlers who have done some not great things um, for a long time. And I have, have, have to put myself in a way where I can separate the two, to separate the performer from the performance. Because if I don't, um, I'm just, I'm going to hate this art. Uh, and I recognize. I can't do that. And I don't mm-hmm. like the idea of doing that because <laughs> I do feel like. Even even if we talk movies, which I still like, because I wanted to give this as an example, but I still feel like it's not a cool thing to do, you know, even if we talk movies or music. But mm-hmm. I feel like an actor and like a movie franchise are so much more far removed from each other than a wrestler and their character. And I mm-hmm. really do feel like wrestling is a more humane art and wrestling is way more character reliant, human reliant. And especially since like, I mean, let's face it, the bigger part of the scene, the overwhelmingly bigger part of the scene is, is indie. And uh, that's where everyone's for themselves. The wrestler is their gimmick, their uh, manager, their own merch person, their own everything. And I really do feel like it's not a healthy thing to be like, oh, I like the character, but not the person, while you're like actively, physically putting the money in the person's pocket. You know? <laughs> well, so, penny back. <laughs> well, because like the hard thing is like, some of the biggest heels in the business, of course, are like some of the nicest people in the world. Some of the, I mean, that's, the that's, greatest that's people I've ever met, people, right? That's, and, that's great, though. I like and, that. And then, and then on the other end, it's like some of the, you know, some of my kids' favorites are like people where I'm like, God, don't cheer that person. But I'm like, but at the same time, my kid doesn't know anything that's gone on besides what they're seeing on their TV screen. And how can I ruin that for them at this moment? No, I feel like so, you so, definitely so, can get away with it if you're a kid. Right. <laughs> if, you're like un- if you're under 12 years old uh-huh. and you like Matt Riddle, by all means. Yeah. But if you're over 12 years old, <laughs> it's a whole different conversation. <laughs> so I I don't know. But, but like for me, for Max Caster, um, I don't know. He's, he's hit or miss, no, but at the same time. I don't... I don't think yeah. that it's like cancel worthy or anything. Uh-huh. And also, like I said that I like personally disagree with the separate snark from the artist thing but also i feel like with the way that i position myself and with the way that i do my work i really don't have the choice to because mm-hmm. like i do talk a lot about 
important stuff. I talk about feminism, I talk about diversity, I talk about all the different experiences that different performers face in the industry, and most of my interviews are like super, super shoot interviews, and I really don't have the option to be like, oh, I'm separating art from the artist while I'm like sitting there <laughs> picking their brain about their freaking life and childhood traumas. I, I cannot afford to do that. Well, like, I guess here's a good example for me. I can recognize on this show, um, case in point, that Chris Jericho is probably in the best shape he's ever been in his career. Uh, not in his career. That's a stretch. Uh, but he's definitely in the best shape he's ever been in an AEW. Um, and, like, it, it's a it's amazing what he's doing um, as far as that's concerned. And it seems like he's kind of leaning back toward being a heel. I can appreciate what Chris Jericho is doing on screen right now. On the other end, I'm blocked by Chris Jericho on social media. <laughs> um, and that is a guy that I 100% am not going to see eye to eye with on anything. And that's a guy that if I saw, I'd probably be like, where was your wife on January 6th? And so, like, there's um, a number of things where, like, um, as a person... <laughs> I don't care for the individual as a performer, hit or miss for me. Um, I'm probably harsher on his, on critiquing him than I probably would be otherwise. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it all depends. But I recognize why um, some can't do that and won't do that. And then I also recognize why some do. It's just, it's... it's Again, not to get into like slippery stuff, but uh -huh. there's, there's degrees to that. Mm -hmm. It's a very different thing to have to, to to follow a republican deputy on twitter <laughs> and to sexually assault someone it's a yes absolutely. it's a way different degree because like say i still very much like raquel gonzalez i still mm -hmm. enjoy her matches and i still enjoy her as a performer again would i see eye to eye with her most definitely not <laughs> but she's not someone that i would like completely you know actively withdraw support from necessarily and, and i get that because also i'm speaking hypocritically because i don't watch hulk hogan shit anymore anyway so like i get that um back to the show so on the uh i don't know i, I felt like it was an exciting battle run um and i, I thought I that uh <laughs> i did like the way they kind of maintained the teams a little bit more than they did in the last one where in the last one it was ftr basically dismantling the teams one by one until they were the only team remaining whereas we had a few teams by the end of this we had ftr um they did a big tease with uh the young bucks music hitting and ftr and the young bucks having to stare down from the top of the ramp they clearly know that that match is something i have a feeling is very close on the horizon as far as seeing um that match happen for the second time and of course if you do it for the second time you got to do it for a third so I, I think we do have a series of young bucks and um ftr matches coming up to to complete that but this uh, weird thing about me just as a person for some reason i'm such a sucker for battle royals Mm -hmm. I love them. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what this is about. I, I feel like it's a bit of like a kid in the candy store type of thing. Because like, oh, all these people that they like a lot are in the ring at the same time. And it's like, it really gets me going. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I it, Everything about this, I was just having fun with it. When it came down to the three teams it, it came down to, it was the Bucks, it was Top Flight, and it was FTR, which FTR and Top Flight, of course, the teams that they, we started with. And then uh, they did the double elimination spot with um, Cash Wheeler and Dante Martin. And then 
Um, there was a trade-off uh, and an exchange between Dax Harwood and Matt Jackson, but then Red Dragon comes in and helps eliminate um, Dax Harwood to help out their fellow um, undisputed elite members. And Undisputed uh, super, super <laughs> clique elite. <laughs> yes. Although I saw on YouTube, the AEW officially called them the undisputed originals, um, referring to the three of... Uh, yeah, they, they they titled the video the Undisputed Originals versus um, the Dark Order and because in Hangman. the arena someone like tried to start an Undisputed chant and mm-hmm. they got some like dirty looks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, like knowing that they actually called them that. that yeah, not bad. Chant um, <laughs> and so uh, we suddenly got to see a, a a really big hope spot with the Young Bucks having um, Darius Martin isolated. Darius Martin, of course, makes his way through. They they start to do a uh, a Melter driver, and Darius shoves Matt into Nick, which causes Nick to get eliminated. And then it's down to Nick and Darius. And then uh, it seems like Nick's about to to uh, not Nick. It seems like Darius is about to possibly have it won. He gets low blowed. Matt Jackson wins it, but Darius got to have a big hope spot here. Um, you know, I've seen criticisms, and it's not to say I disagree with them, that Darius looked a little bit lost out there. This is a guy who hasn't wrestled in a year. Yeah. This is a guy who's 22. And this is a guy who also was working a crowd like that for the first time. A year ago, Daly's Place was allowing in yeah. a couple hundred people uh, at best. And on top of that, he hadn't really had that kind of experience. Dante has had a really big leg up in experience over the last like six months that Darius just hasn't gotten to do. But at the end of the day, 20 and uh, 22, like these are two guys who have a huge wrestling future ahead of them. These are children. Um, Like the fact that Darius at this stage of his career, this young got to have that kind of a pop for his return. Uh, that was probably an indescribable feeling. Um, and yeah, we knew the Bucks were going to win this because that's the triple threat we're leading to. It's the Bucks. It is Jurassic Express. It is Red Dragon. Who could win this? There's a piece of me that doesn't want Red Dragon to win because like, they literally have not had a tag match in AEW. And <laughs> I'm like, they still have... The two of them have not teamed up since uh august of 2020 um and so like this has been a really long time since these two have tagged up i would hate to see in their first actual tag match them win championships but also i suppose that's a story so like but for me personally see like the same way that they say that sometimes like it's worth art is worth putting above business uh it's the same way that i personally view wrestling because like people get confused sometimes but i say that like if you ask me a question of who's your favorite wrestler versus who's the best wrestler in the world, those would be different answers. Two different answers, yeah. Or if I you were to ask me, who do you think should win this match versus who do you think, who do you want to win this match, those would be two different answers. So I am... I have a or even three goal. different answers. Who do you think should, who do you think will, and who do you want to win could sometimes exactly, be three different yeah. answers. Yeah, Three different answers, three different teams, three different answers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I just have an emotional attachment to Red Dragon, so I would very much like them to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I would, there are things I, I want to see, um, happen here. I don't know. It, it would be cool. Uh, cause I, my gut tells me that red dragon's going to win, 
because it'll set up the speculation of, ooh, if those two won, could Adam Cole win later? And I feel like that's how you kind of cast out in people's minds. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're going to win. I just don't want them to. Um, there's like <laughs> 10 teams in my head that I'm like, I want to be the ones to be the next tag team champions. And like, they weren't even close to the top of the list. But I think they're going to win. Uh, I do think that it is going to be Cole and O'Reilly, or not Cole and O'Reilly, um, uh, Fish and O'Reilly. But again, like in my, like, with my, like, should versus want versus everything, uh, I want them to win. But in a separate, different way, I almost want Jurassic Express to win because mm-hmm. they're like the obvious underdog and they're right. like the obvious least experienced, least known, least everything team in this. And they're like, oh, I mean, we've obviously seen, seen them before that, but let's say they are homegrown. Like, sure, I, I saw a freaking Luchasaurus at the next team, but <laughs> as a text, let's just say that. No, they're, they're a homegrown act, homegrown. is what I like to look at it. Yeah, homegrown act. Yeah, thank you. Love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a way, I would almost like to see them win, to solidify them as mm-hmm. people who actually can and should be on the same level as Young Bucks, on the same level as Red Dragon. Right. I give this an A. I actually, um, <laughs> mainly because I was, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I liked how much uh, Top Flight got to show out. Total A. Uh, I, I had fun with this entire Battle Royale. Yeah, I have uh, nothing to complain about here. <laughs> I love this. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but speaking of stuff I enjoyed. So <laughs> CM Punk makes his way to the ring. <laughs> dude like again not to get ahead of anything but when i say that for like maybe 70 percent of the segment i was screaming mm-hmm. i mean it literally just like standing there just like screaming well <laughs> punk did not know what to uh what to say here because what do you even say after what mjf had to say last week and, and again, CM- sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I tweeted about that too. Because for like about a week or two now, I've been complaining about the Punk and MJF segments because I, again, first of all, I am a huge fan of both of those performers. I think they're both mm-hmm. incredible. But <laughs> I feel like they've done like so many promos. I feel like they've said everything that there's to be said. They've done everything there's to be done. And at one point, I'm just on my couch, like, please wrestle. Like, can you mm-hmm. like this is a wrestling show, sir? Like this is the Wendy's. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I was like, I was literally like tweeting about how I am like tired of those segments. I want the match already. They're like stretching it out for way too long. And then they come in and show this freaking masterpiece of a segment that's like I, I was saying that this like might be my favorite wrestling segment in this past maybe like five, six, seven years. Yeah, well, so um I guess I was starting to feel the way you did. Uh, and I think had they not broken it up with the match in Chicago, I think that helped a lot for me because it was yeah. like, okay, we did, they not only did a match, but they went, you know, 40 minutes. Like I got more wrestling out of them than I've gotten out of most feuds in one match. And so on that front, I felt like, okay, we broke it up and then they did the tag match the week later. And then, so I feel like things since then have kind of picked up a lot more. And then last week and this week, solid stuff uh cm punk of course talked about uh a few things he mentioned that uh one of the, he talked about a famous picture that went around the internet which was him and steve austin so yeah and how um 
you know, Steve Austin, as he said, lesser men said, uh, took his ball and went home. That the ooh, you know, only three people were famous for saying the line, took his ball and went home, and that was The Rock, Vince McMahon, and Triple H. And I'm like, okay, he probably wasn't talking about The Rock, but he's <laughs> definitely talking about the other two. Um, and yeah, he uh, he then you know MJF made his way out and. Again, I love the way that Punk is not afraid of his own history as a performer. Yes. And talks so much about it. And he mentioned little things to MJF about how, like, I know you looked up to me, but, like, you know, I poured alcohol down an alcoholic's throat. You know, I mocked um, a drug addict. He's talking about Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know. Yeah. And then. Uh, and <laughs> and he I've, mentioned... I've also tweeted that throughout the show that I really like how he, like, recognizes his, like, pre-AW past mm -hmm. because I feel like one of the things that a lot of people have a problem with WWE over, including me, is that they would do a storyline and they, then they expect you to just forget it. That and not just that. To act like it's never happened. Yeah, the WWE is really big on um, retconning their own history in that like just stuff just didn't happen or um, in a lot of ways is like like uh after a certain amount of time kayfabe storylines are no longer kayfabe um like it always just bugs me that edge and christian are just no longer brothers like the how do you yeah, just like, like oh, how do you just like I? drop that out of the blue and how people <laughs> like people drop accents and like you know, yeah and it's like little things are like you know they were like randy horton and, and edge were like close friends but i'm like no literally like Eight years ago, he stabbed you in the back. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but like after a while, certain things that happen on screen like are just no longer kayfabe. And so like I like that about CM Punk, how he was talking about how, you know, I poured what were supposed to be the ashes of Paul Bearer on The Undertaker. Like yeah. I wasn't a good person. Um, and, <laughs> and it really makes it so much more believable because like we, we like to talk about the realm of believability so much mm -hmm. but it does make it more real it does make it more human a human can be a bad person and acknowledge that and be like oh i did all those horrible things when a person in real life does something well not something like that no, no one's gonna pour ashes on the undertaker <laughs> right <laughs> but something along those lines uh it's rarely that oh whatever never mind it's you know it's either the person remains evil or the person learns from it and the person recognizes it as a part of their past and a part of their character and a part of something that contributed to the person that they are today. And I do feel like it makes it so much more real. And th that's why it's even more baffling to me the way WWE handles it. Because, like, right. why would you take away from your own stuff? You know? <laughs> um, but either way, I, I, I always made a promise that I wasn't going to spend any of this show downing on WWE. So there, there's your minute of that um but the uh the uh specifically though so mjf of course gets extended the handshake by cm punk uh you know for them to have a good match on sunday mjf gives him a big hug cm Which punk the is pictures some photographers took of that mary mm -hmm. kate specifically look freaking biblical like the anatomy of that hug again i I'm, I just, I'm such a geek for like, you know, <laughs> like that. the anatomy of that hug, the way that they were positioned was beautiful. <laughs> uh -huh. And, and, um, and of course, Punk looks reluctant initially. He's like, 
why is this happening? And he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, the, this whole angle, it's felt like CM Punk is like, he, he said at the beginning of the promo, I actually really like that line where he's like, I feel like I'm being gaslit. Um, because, <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm not sure, but I just feel like something's up here. And, you know, I, I like that he still has his, his alarm up and even being hugged. He's like, I don't know. But, but then um, he, because he, he said in the promo, he's like, "Am I the bad guy in this?" Right. He yes. got some some yells, yes, out of the crowd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, there were some people chanting MJF. I heard. I, I was one of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and when the hug happened, and when he like did lean into the hug, it's as though almost like the good won in him, and it was mm. almost as though. You know, I am the good guy. I have compassion. I have something humane in me. And then it gets betrayed, and then it becomes the weakness, and then it becomes his downfall. Isn't that so beautiful? Yeah. Now, of course, <laughs> the way he was standing, I was like, hmm, if I don't know any better, he seems in position to get kicked in the balls right now. And, <laughs> and then, sure enough, um, he kicked him. And yeah, Ricardo. When, when, when they hugged and when, like, Punk, like, like wrapped his arms around NJF finally. Someone in my section, I, I heard like a like a tense like whisper, like here it comes, here it comes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could see it, you could feel it happening, and then sure enough, uh, that's exactly where it happened. Um, Ricardo L. Idolohausen says, uh, "When are CM Punk and AJ gonna learn to wear cups?" <laughs> uh, no, you know what, AJ under jeans. Yeah, <laughs> AJ has had it coming ever since he low blow Dean Ambrose to win the WWE championship. And since then <laughs> it's, it's just been his, <laughs> it's it's been his karma to continue to get kicked in the balls. Um and so we had the low blow, the pinnacle, all the pinnacle members make their way out. Um they put the collar around uh Punk and they bloody him. They he was bloody him. Good. Uh and um of course had him hanging over the the top rope with the dog collar my goodness just an insane visual like for some reason like and, and i i know i get like a little weird about it because it's very situational but i do like a very like raw uncomfortable creepy heel moment i do enjoy mm-hmm. those and for some reason like the strangling stuff like really makes me feel uncomfortable like borderline to where i wouldn't like it but this one was fine mm-hmm. but also it's like as i said very situational because like i did at one point, kind of dunk on Schlag for using a plastic bag, but I also appreciate Charles Mason a lot who uses plastic bags a lot. Right. It's like there's a difference between uncomfortable and uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> that was uncomfortable in a good way. <laughs> oh, totally agree. Uh, yeah, this was a total knocked it out of the park. Another A. Uh, I had to a me, lot that's of fun. An S that I, I've is it, is this, the, this, the, I've learned of the existence of, a, of, of an S. Today. Yes, this and is the, this is an S tier for you. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I I there are very few things I would take away from this, um, and that's why I'm still sticking with an A. This hasn't quite hit an S tier for me, but it was uh, it, it, it was great. I had a lot of fun. But what hey, would it take for us to bring it to the S tier for you? Um, I don't know. There's a little piece of me that is still like, come on, punk, you should have known. <laughs> um, and... But that's what I'm saying. That's the thing about humanity, and that's the thing about 
kindness because sometimes even when you do know even when you have experiences you're still if you're a good person quote unquote you're still in the back of your mind you're like but what if this is for real but what if i can give him a chance but what if you know i do feel like it's realistic it it is at the same time like MJF has stabbed multiple people in the back now. Like, this is not a guy. But also, who... Kevin Owens has stabbed a lot of people in the back. It's almost like a Ryan joke. Oh, like, whenever, whenever nobody should be falling for like, Kevin Owens' shit like, anymore. Like, someone is his best friend. Like, don't expect anything good out of that. Yeah. I, and he's no. still likable. And it's still like, oh, yeah, cool. He's he's nice again. I mean, it, I would <laughs> really feel bad for the next person that falls for Kevin Owens. Like, at this point, like I feel Owens, like the... For like, well, I, I would love it. Uh, kind of, I guess, <laughs> going off on a little bit of a raw tangent. I would love it if the moment Seth or Kevin Owens goes to turn on Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins like sees it coming and catches him and is like, "No, dude! Like I've seen this story play out before. Well, like, not. <laughs> <laughs> like he's already like a step ahead of him because he knew. Yeah. Like that to me would be the most realistic way to play that out. If literally Seth Rollins again falls for the same thing that Kevin Owens has pulled on the New Day, the thing he pulled on Sami Zayn, the thing he's pulled on um, Jericho. on Jericho, <laughs> my brain will explode if somebody also, falls for that again, again. Not again, not to go with the whole <laughs> analysis now, but Seth Rollins. Still, I still regard him as the Messiah kind of because it's still like the weird, like mm-hmm. Joker y kind of character is mm-hmm. still very much a spiritual leader type of thing. Which I okay, everyone was a fan of the shield. We were teens, we were excited, everyone was a fan of the shield. But uh, I was after in my 20s, shi- but yes, <laughs> me, I okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but after the shield, like I really wasn't on board with, with Rollins for a bunch of different reasons. Um. But the Messiah character really got me on board. Like, that was something that I really liked of Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. And especially with Buddy Murphy, because Buddy Murphy is one of my absolute favorite wrestlers, like, ever. Buddy Matthews. Um, and I really got invested into Seth Rollins. And I feel like this, like, spin that has been on this, like, insane genius type of thing, but, like, not really genius. Like, people from the outside see that he's just some weirdo, but he thinks he's all that. I feel like, again, in this, like, grandiose character that's so, like, self, you know, absorbed, mm-hmm. I feel like it would almost make sense for him to still fall for it and to still to be like, but I am the freaking messiah. I am not going to get betrayed by Kevin Owens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I guess it, part of it was that, because um, I feel like just like a month ago, um, you know, he was so... A step ahead of Roman at so many different turns yeah, that I feel okay. like he probably should see a lot of what Kevin Owens is doing coming because, like, also he did it to Kevin Owens like two years ago, and uh, there's that too. Um, anyway, though, uh, back to yeah, back Dynamite. To um, and also, I really appreciated MJF dropping the the old CM Punk line um, yeah. uh, and telling him he's the devil, all that, all great stuff. I enjoyed it so much. Um, there's not a whole lot because they, they dropped the shirt with the picture on on yeah the the merch website and yeah AEW could... <laughs> and I almost wish they would have added the red like handprint <laughs> yes that would have been dope um that would have been cool uh we then saw a tag match um which featured Dr Britt Baker DMD and Jamie Hayter taking on Thunder Rosa. And uh, Mercedes Martinez. 
<laughs> and we apparently don't have much to say about this match. Um, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I like um, the exchanges between Rosa and Britt Baker. And it, it felt like they did just enough of it to make us want to see the match on Sunday. I was surprised by the finish that we just had Britt just straight up pinned by Thunder Rosa. That yeah, has me questioning like, what's happening. We have been so like, conditioned by WWE that uh -huh. it almost makes you think of like, oh, then she's losing. Right. But yeah, I, 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 are I, we still in the WWE realm? Of right, I don't know. Doing this? I genuinely have no clue. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm very much excited for this match. Is yeah, one of same. many I'm looking I feel forward like, to seeing. Honestly, like this match, I don't have much to say about it. Not because it like wasn't good. It was great. And I, I do feel like all four of those performers are amazing. But yeah, its purpose was to build for Revolution. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, it, I, there wasn't a whole lot to write home about. Um, I suppose, like, I'm ready to move forward on um, more Brit and Jamie stuff, and I feel like mm -hmm. that doesn't need the title. So for me, I'm ready to not see Brit with the belt anymore and start to see some heel opponents step up to Thunder Rosa. It's a lot I want to see here. So um, I don't know. This was a, a C-plus for me. Like, there wasn't much to it. Um I'd say like a B for me, personally. Either way, I'm excited for yeah. Rosa and Britt Baker 3. I suppose 2, if you don't count uh, on the record, the Lights <laughs> Out match. The lights out, yeah. And then your boy, uh, Cesar Benoni. My boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he took on Wardlow. Did he really take on him much? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> he was uh, powerbombed three times you know but what i really like though i really like that we're not going the right back way with wardlow and i really like that he's still very much dominating larger opponents because yes you know, he's way bigger than wardlow i know yeah. um so he also faced nick camarado um <laughs> last week as well on rampage and that was another one that and was like he oh looked my God. just as dominant yeah and I, I i even heard someone some some one of my friends said i can't remember who they were like i'm almost glad that like wardlow isn't like six foot seven isn't like this huge freaking machine uh i i wouldn't say that i've given it much thought really but mm -hmm. he really isn't like the giant type in any way but it's almost like it's more about the charisma and it's almost like it's more about the substance than yeah. it is about the sheer size because anyone can be a big guy amas can be a big guy <laughs> Not to not to shade him in any way. He's a great big guy, but anyone can be a, a big guy if you were born a big guy. But not anyone can throw Caesar Bononi around. <laughs> well, he, and he did the way he hit the powerbomb symphony on him. Um, but the real money of this segment was Sean Spears, I thought, and the way that Sean Spears goes for the chair shot, but then. Uh, Wardlow um, finally stops yeah, him. From finally stops him. Spotlight. Sean Spears steps up, kind of bucks up on Wardlow, and then Wardlow does. And Sean Spears, the look on his face, <laughs> the like we want to talk about wrestling is art. The art of him, the facial expression changed, the way his eyes shifted, and the way he backed down to Wardlow yes. was all picture perfect uh it's so good and the crowd got every single piece of that because the way that they reacted uh as that was all unfolding chef's kiss 
great stuff here. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. Um, I know that it works in the paradigm of the whole entire situation with Wardlow versus Pinnacle is tense and is brewing and is, you know, mm-hmm. uneasy. But I do feel like making the conflict of, oh my God, he hit some guy that I beat with a chair after the match, the middle... <laughs> <laughs> piece of that conflict does seem a little far-fetched to me like come on like talk about it backstage like it's <laughs> just be like hey dude maybe don't whack them with chairs after a power <laughs> i almost feel like the promo that we had last week where sean spears in like a very condescending way tried uh-huh. to explain to wardlow that your power bombs aren't getting over and that yes. popular <laughs> i almost feel like if we were to start with that that would mm-hmm. make more sense because like, oh, he's being condescending. Oh, he's dismissing my signature move. Uh, he's trying to explain to me shit that they that they obviously know. And like, you know, that that would make make way more sense to me personally. But it's like the whole chair. Come on. <laughs> so you know what? Uh, so I really like the backstage segment though. So they get backstage, of course, yes. and then the um, slap. Spe- yeah. Love. Uh, Spears, of course, apologizes for all that. MJF comes in and he promises Wardlow that, hey, if you win the Face of the Revolution match and you win the TNT title, I'll let you keep it. And he's like, of course, you're not going to win anyway. And then um, Wardlow says, because I'm too busy fighting your battles. And then he gets slapped. You know what would be, honestly, just a little cute detail to like really wrap up this Wardlow storyline? Wardlow, of course, signed with AEW in 2019. And I looked it up to see if it exists, and it does not. Because MJF did say that, oh, like, you work for me. Yeah, you work for me. What I would like to see is Wardlow get the All Elite graphic in, like, 2022. As if, like, oh, now he works for AEW. Now he no longer works for MJF. Um, If, like... If, when it breaks away, just to kind of like do the announcement graphic to really play into the storyline of mm-hmm. he's no longer at your mercy. He now works for AEW officially. He doesn't have an all elite graphic. There isn't one for Wardlow. That's what I would like to see. That would be really cool, actually. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and also, like another thing again about me personally and stuff that I like in wrestling, which this like hits all the right spots for me, uh, because I do love like the mean cowardly leader versus a good at heart big guy protege type of thing mm-hmm. love it miss alex riley uh rollins murphy this like i'm i love it for some mm-hmm. reason that dynamic and that you know Oh yeah, I mean this really was works for I think still told at its best with Batista and Hunter. Like it's it's a oh, yeah. yeah, it's a great story. <laughs> oh yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and um yeah, no, I think that this is uh I, I, I'm still at a point where I'm really excited to see it break down and I want to see how it breaks down. And uh I don't know how it does, but I'm ready for it. I am twice as excited because I feel like I, I almost feel like I was kind of a part of, of it a little bit because, well, not me personally, the Jacksonville crowd, I mean, because mm-hmm. the first time I really ever heard people cheer and pop for Wardlow was dark tapings in Jacksonville before New Year's Smash. I feel like that was like really the first time he really got like the chance and like the overwhelming 
okay. well, like reaction. And I messaged him after the show. I was like, oh, cool reaction. And he was like, yeah, I didn't even expect that. And mm-hmm. I really feel like that's that was the shift when the crowd like really got behind him. And now here we are in March. <laughs> Fun things happening. Uh, but we had the main event. Uh, as I guess they're calling them the Undisputed Originals. Uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Hangman Adam Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Also, now uh, looking at this graphic, it doesn't really have capital letters, but I love how they still made the point to make the D and the R taller than... <laughs> I know, right? Like, I noticed that last night, too, on the the, the main graphic. Uh, I noticed it on the, the, the Chiron. Um, <laughs> that they did that there too, and I thought, yeah, it's all caps, but somehow the dr is a still bigger. Bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, just to emphasize that this is what's happening here. Um, and yeah, we saw uh, these trios square off. I, I didn't really see this going any other way because yeah. we have one trio that's very established, and another that's um, not working all that well together. Uh, they know each other well, but I do not... love the cowboy variants of Dark Order. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do think it's very endearing. I love the bandanas. I, the purple I, bandanas I were dope. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we saw the we saw this play out six man tag match. Um, it was a fun match. I have zero complaints about um the match in any way. Uh, and of course we saw. Adam Cole take the victory with the um, he hit the boom on Alex Reynolds because that was the only way this match was ever going to go. Uh, Adam Cole needed to get the pin going into the pay-per-view. You don't want to pin John Silver. You definitely don't want to pin Hangman. There was really only one way this match could end and that was the way it did. I have one criticism of the whole um, well, it's, it's not even the match, like it's post-match but still about the entire thing. And mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it myself. I saw someone tweet about it and I was like, oh, yeah, actually. Uh, that you can't have a guy being hung by a dog collar and gushing blood on that show and then go right back to duct tape and make me feel like that's the main thing on the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. You know what I'm actually kind of weirded out by? Um, we saw throughout the road to revolution back in January, we saw Britt Baker align herself with the, the elite and, um, Adam Cole's group. And yet she has kind of trailed off the last couple of weeks. And yet we're going into a pay-per-view where very possibly, at least story-wise, we could see Britt Baker and Adam Cole walk out to as champs, and I feel like there isn't like a story to that at all. Yeah, um, I feel like we're not being sold that. Yeah, we're not being sold on the possibility yeah, yeah. of these two being the champs together. Uh, and I would like to see that, and I'm kind of surprised that we haven't gone there at all. Honestly, uh, I would like to see that too. But also, I just feel like for some reason, we, I I have no idea why. Maybe like just the build, like really like didn't convince me necessarily but i really cannot envision adam cole as a champion right now oh no not i at all. really cannot like like no 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 way no way not a chance uh <laughs> but at least this go home angle was kind of designed to get them there a little bit and that was of course um adam cole so they duct taped hangman to the top rope and then uh basically 
beat the hell out of him, beat the hell out of And it's Silver. interesting that you said that like one trio is very cohesive and very established and they're working great together and the other is like not here, not there. But also going into the title match, I feel like those dynamics almost played a, a, an opposite role because it's almost like for Adam Cole, like his entire power and his entire significance is Red Dragon and is the elite. Mm-hmm. But for Hangman, he's perfectly independent, and Dark Order are just his buddies. We're just gonna have his back if anything, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, also, one thing I'm curious about. By the way, I give this one a B. It was solid. Uh, it was a fine match, and on top of that, yeah. um, I thought the post match uh, did the hard sell the way it needed to. I'm not sold on the idea of Adam Cole becoming champion, but I am at least sold on. Hey, this will be a fun match and a. A good main event. Just and for the also, back tape, I would say B minus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, hey, Graham's talked about the slap to Wardlow. Uh, he yeah. said that was an A plus slap, like slap of the year. Good slap. Good slap. Uh, <laughs> and we have a pay per view coming up this Sunday. And what's crazy here is. If I'm not mistaken, and I have to actually check this to be accurate, there's 11 matches. I don't think AEW's had that many matches lined up for a pay-per-view ever. Um, and I, I have to verify that to be 100% certain. Mm-hmm. Um, but this card is, is different in a lot of ways. Um, the first way being that, yeah, 11 matches. Also... No Kenny Omega. No. Also, uh, for the first time, right? The, it's, is it the first? First pay per view without Kenny Omega. Omega. Oh my god! First pay per view without Kenny. Uh, <laughs> first pay per view I'm attending where I don't get to hear Battle Cry. Shocker! I, it, <laughs> I don't even think that's gonna feel right for the amount I've been to. <laughs> not getting to hear Battle Cry is not even gonna feel right. Um, and yeah, just. Up and down the card, though. The other thing, it's a big difference. Three women's matches. All three of the matches they've been building to actually all made it onto the card. I figured one of them was going to end up on Rampage. But no, just looking at the card, we have 11 matches. There's Hook versus QT Marshall. I didn't think that was actually going to make it, but that's on the buy-in. Also on the buy-in. I'm sold on this match. Like, Yeah, (laughs) me too. Yeah, not to bash uh, the factory specifically. I think they're great. I genuinely like them. Uh, mm-hmm. But most of the time, just the role that they have on the show is very much the supporting role, and their matches a lot of the times have been the, like bathroom break matches mm-hmm. because I make a point to like never walk out during like the obvious bathroom break matches that are like obvious for other people because I don't want I don't want to be that person, you know. So for me, the, the factory was always the bathroom break. <laughs> uh, but this match and this feud, I'm so sold on, and I feel like it's a great. It was a great way to make rampage the hook show and uh, to have him like be the main draw for rampage and even i've been to episodes of rampage where he didn't wrestle and even then people chant for him and tony would like just bring him out like onto the ramp yeah, and have to do that. the, the patient wave and just go back backstage and people like that so with the bag of chips um, yeah with the bag of chips and the backpack <laughs> uh it does very much the hook show and that gave it air and that gave it space for this feud to develop the way that it wouldn't have on dynamite and that made it really that, that really highlighted it and i'm actually excited for the match i am too 
Uh, we also have Chris Statlander versus Legit Layla Hirsch, um, which again is one that's been uh, <laughs> in the wild. <laughs> yeah, a wild build, um, and uh, to the point of where I could see Layla getting some cheers. Um, You're like, who's who's the bad guy? Like, <laughs> right. as a Russian, I'm asking you, who's the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against Ty Conti. Probably going to be the shortest match on the show, um, but at the same time, who knows? Jay Cargo has been surprising. Because, because I, I, another thing that I keep saying about AEW is that one thing that they love about Dynamite, that they love about Rampage, is that Tony or you know other people who also help book the show uh, have an amazing sense of pace, mm-hmm. just absolutely incredible. Like the way the show watches, the way the show flows is impeccable and that does involve a mix of shorter matches longer matches more intense matches more slow paced matches and that jade cargill match is gonna do its job perfectly yeah it'll do its job and tbs title being defended for the first time on a pay-per-view um and then you have uh the andrade isaiah cassidy and matt hardy taking on darby allen sammy guevara and sting I have, I'm very, very interested in this match. Like I said, I love Sting. And there's, there's a lot I don't want to see out of this match. I uh, And it's a six-man tornado attack. I'm also a big fan of tornado attack matches. We don't yeah, get a whole I'll lot of them. Yeah. So, uh, but then we got the three-way for the tag titles, Jurassic Express, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks. Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. Literally, my, if you ask me my top favorite wrestlers, Brian's probably number one, but Moxley's like up there and probably in my top five. Um, we have Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. I think that's going to be really interesting, especially thinking about who yes. Eddie Kingston's been his whole career. That's like, probably one of the matches that I'm most excited for in this card. I think the thing about Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho that's really interesting to me right now, um, and it, it really didn't hit me till the promo last week, uh, the face-to-face between them. But, like, Eddie Kingston came in, and he's had a few high-profile feuds. Um, like, you think about his pay-per-view matches. He faced uh, John Moxley. He faced the Young Bucks. He faced um, Miro, and he faced CM Punk. Um, and the Miro feud it probably doesn't fall into this category, but it wasn't all that personal. But when we look, about, look at the CM Punk, the Young Bucks... Um, John Moxley, you look at the feuds that Eddie Kingston has had, and they all kind of tie back to Eddie Kingston's indie presence. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, that's the Young Bucks were very much indie talents. John Moxley was where Eddie Kingston, or the indies is where he got to know John Moxley. Um, and CM Punk, of course, they had their indie story there. But this was the this is really the first time for me that we're getting to see Eddie Kingston going against somebody who really has no indie background whatsoever. Chris Jericho is not an indie guy. Chris Jericho, um, you know, he's a world renowned guy. He's a world traveled guy. In a way, we still kind of had Eddie Kingston's background involved in this feud because mm-hmm. the well, promo but... where Jericho mentioned that, like, oh, I've never heard about you, even though he's following the indies, which is like, I feel like this line is designed to be a lie. Like, it's designed to be inaccurate. Where, like, if you follow the Indies, like, you would know. But, but, that, but that, to me, and is... It's almost it, like a jab at that, specifically. But that, to me, I think, makes the story work. Because it does feel like, you know... It does, yeah, for as, sure. As far as who Chris Jericho has been uh, for the last 30 years of his career, why would he have really been following who Eddie Kingston was or know who Eddie Kingston was? Um, at least that character on screen. And so... The fact I even felt it in their promo where I felt like Chris Jericho was very much talking like a superstar, whereas 
Eddie talks very much like a person. And I felt like the way they were coming at each other just felt like two people from two completely different wrestling backgrounds. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's what I find very interesting about this is these two finally coming head to head as guys from different backgrounds. I like it. And I'm really interested in seeing where this goes. Uh, We also have the face of the revolution ladder match with one spot still to be determined. It's going to be Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Wardlow in either Christian Cage or Ethan Page. And we'll find out on Rampage. Um, And I'm also pumped for. Yeah. Because who the hell could win this? I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, you still have Scorpio Sky's title shot lingering up there, which they said he's going to get his shot before the winner of the Face of the Revolution. When will that be? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then Women's World Title on the line. We have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending the title against Thunder Rosa. I still feel like this is Thunder Rosa's night. I just do. I feel it. I feel it. It's not to say... That, um, look, all right, I'm just going to put this out there. Totally for personal reasons, fightful universe. It's literally, it's not so much that I have anything against Brit's run. It's that I just want to protect the run of one uh, Hikaru Shida, who I feel like having had the longest run in AEW history, I don't think that record should be broken yet. It's too soon. And so there and look, Britt's going to get a thousand runs. I think Britt is going to be champion again. She's going to be champion probably multiple times. But for now, I want to see as far as length of reign is concerned, I think Sheeta for as long as she was champion and she did it all through the pandemic, I feel like that record should still belong to her. And mm-hmm. Britt's edging way too close to it for me to do. <laughs> uh, I love how we both flushed our shirts in this stream. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> just representing. Uh, but also, I do love Britt Baker, and I do think that she's been an amazing champion. She's been amazing to watch, and she's definitely one of my favorites in the women's roster in AEW. But also, when she first won the title, there was this intensity to the way it happened. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's either her or we riot. Or yes. it's either her or no one else. Oh, she cannot lose this title. And now I feel like it's at the point where it's simmered down a little bit. Oh, a lot. And yeah. if anything, it would be the time to drop it now for that intensity to come back whenever she gets it back. Yeah, absolutely. Dog collar match. CM Punk Dog versus collar MJF. Match. Dog collar match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, and... I think CM Punk wins it. He kind of has to feel like MJF has gotten one over on him one too many times. I and... am a big MJF supporter. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a big like supporter of protecting MJF because I do feel like that he's the biggest home, home again, homegrown talent, homegrown acts, if you will. Um, and I do feel like this guy is freaking legend potential. I have tweeted that and I do know that some people think I'm being way too intense, but I do feel like this person is freaking potentially down the line. I think he's a generational talent. Stone cold level, just freaking le- legend level type of thing. Bold um, statement. We'll revisit this. Yeah, I, we, I, we I, will. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> and honestly, the matches in AEW that I've been most invested in to date as a, the result, because usually when I watch wrestling, I usually don't care much for the result. 
-hmm. because I do tend to connect emotionally more with people who have more of a utilitarian role in the show usually uh, as opposed to being the main act and being the superstar Um, but with MGM specifically I really want him to stay protected and I really really want him to keep his clean streaks you know and stuff like that so like one of the matches that I was the most invested in was when he faced uh, a daily's place I think actually a daily's place when he faced Sammy Guevara because I was just so like hellbound on MJF winning it. I think I was like the most emotional I've been at the wrestling match since Miz won the WWE title just recently. <laughs> I think I, I was like the most emotional about someone's win in recent memory. So I would really like MJF to win this still. Do I think he will win? Uh, no, I'm not sure. Probably not. <laughs> but I do want him to win. Yeah, I don't know if he does, but I'd like to see it. I don't know. I wouldn't. Actually, no. Um, he, no Punk, Punk's gotten a, the Punk's gotten one too many. Um, he's been one up to one too many times. I feel like this has to be Punk's time. Um, maybe just maybe. And then main event AEW World Title on the line. Is it the main event though. Yes. Are we sure? Positive. Actually, and the reason I'm positive is because. I was on the the media call last night with uh, oh, Tony okay. Khan, and I actually asked the question, "What's the main event?" And <laughs> it was that easy, people. You could just <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so for those who listened to the media call, that was me who uh, asked. Uh, I asked if it was going to be Britt and Rosa, um, mainly because they main event it last time, um, and I feel like. Neither title match has gotten a whole lot of build, so you could put either in that slot. Um, but he did specifically say it is going to be Hangman and uh, Adam Cole. So I kind of wanted the dog collar to main event. But... <laughs> yes. Uh, so we do at least know that the world title match is going to be the main event. I think Adam Page probably wins it. Uh, yeah. Probably. It's not time for Cole yet. It could be down the road. I don't see it happening right now. But that is Revolution happening this Sunday. I'll be there. I'm leaving tomorrow. You'll be there. You're in Orlando right now. Um, Are you going to Rampage tomorrow? Yes, absolutely. I am, of course. (laughs) Uh, Yes, (laughs) I figured you would. Um, And yeah, I'll be around all weekend. So if you're out there, folks, um, come say hi. Yeah, say Uh, hi. Take selfies. Uh, Say (laughs) whatever you say on the internet to my face if you want to. I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i suppose i'd ask for that too but at the same time yeah let's not do that um uh, also one more super chat graham b says uh the three matches on revolution that i'm most stoked for are non-title suck it wwe okay um (laughs) yes please 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 come out to the uh the music show though um i think that's going to be a lot of fun uh, and just talking to Mikey Ruckus and talking to Montezzi and uh, just getting songs prepared. And I literally was just holding a microphone um, earlier today, just like practicing in the mirror. Uh, I am so excited for all of this. This is going to be a blast. Uh, if you are in the area, come to the concert. Especially if you're at FanFest. It's literally right there. Just... <laughs> Just walk. 20 bucks. Um, and yeah, that's it. I will see everybody on Grapsity this Saturday. Live from Orlando. 
um, where I'll be hosting Grap City. Uh, that'll be on noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash Fightful. Xenia, plugs. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. So I did that. <laughs> Subscribe. There are interviews coming up, as always. There are a lot of new interviews coming up. Uh, I am um, did that on every platform. On Twitter, I usually live tweet shows. I am running a giveaway right now. This Revolution Weekend, I'm giving away some AW figures on my Twitter. At did that, so go participate. Uh, my Instagram is more lifestyle-ish, but there's still a lot of wrestling on there. And if you want to see my everyday shenanigans, that's where you find them. Merch on Pro Wrestling Tees and on Wrestling Tees UK. Just search up did that. My merch is cute. It doesn't look like a wrestling shirt. And yeah, if you're already subscribed, thank you and I love you. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Dad, Day After Dynamite. Thanks for being with us on this earlier edition. I know we're on an hour earlier, but Jeremy literally asked me, hey, you want to do this an hour earlier? And I was like, yeah, do it an hour earlier. And it, it actually like, worked yeah, out. I'm going to make it in time for dark. Yeah, and you'll make it in time for Dark. So um, go make it in time for Dark. Go enjoy Dark. Um, or what are they calling it? It's uh, It says Revolution Bonus Event um, is what they're officially calling it because uh, the stars is in the building and their hands are to the ceiling. All right. Um, that's it. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace.